0: Hello and welcome. I'm your host, Neil Howard. Thank you for joining us for another segment here on Health Professional Radio. We're going to be talking with Angela Carroll. She's joining us here as U.S. Medical Affairs Scientific Director, ImmunoInflammation at Glasgow Smith Klein, a global healthcare company. She's joining us to discuss the first published article to put forth a definition of disease modification in lupus. It was published in the latest issue of Lupus Science and Medicine. Uh, Welcome to Health Professional Radio, Angela Carroll. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Neil.
0: Well, I mentioned your, your role there at GSK. Give us a brief look into your background and explain to us what lupus is and lupus nephritis as well and talk about the differences or the connections between the two diseases.
1: Sure. Uh, just a little bit about my background. I'm a clinical scientist by training and have worked in the rheumatology space for over 20 years now uh, and primarily in lupus for the, the last 12 years. And delighted to be here. The first thing I'll say is, um, as we all know, the immune system is like a protector um, that helps to protect us from potential invaders like bacteria and viruses and other germs. In lupus, the immune system erroneously attacks the body's own healthy tissues. And what happens when this attack occurs is an inflammatory response. And this inflammatory response can impact many different body systems. So this can include your joints, your skin, um, blood cells, uh, brain, your heart, and lungs. Um, In addition to this, there is also lupus nephritis. and, And lupus causes lupus nephritis through the same mechanism, which is an inflammatory mediated response that attacks the kidneys. And approximately 40% of all lupus patients will develop lupus nephritis at some point during uh, their lifetimes.
0: Now, are these systems normally attacked simultaneously or does it pick and choose which systems are going to be affected when an outbreak occurs?
1: So every lupus patient is different. It's Mm. a very heterogeneous disease. And um, some patients may have multiple systems involved and others may have you know, one or two. Um, and, and if you were to look, you would not be able to find two patients that look the same in lupus. It's a, it's a very difficult disease to uh, diagnose as a result.
0: What will establishing a definition of disease modification in lupus, uh, what will it do for those diagnosed with lupus?
1: So, I think um, defining disease modification will help us identify therapies that may be considered uh, in patients. So, it will help to inform both the prescribers and the patients around this. In addition, um, it also will provide an opportunity to actually harmonize future clinical trial objectives. Uh, as we look forward to future uh, research in the area of lupus and lupus nephritis. And I would say it also enables a a better understanding of treatment methods that modify the underlying cause of the disease, taking into account both um, long-term as well as short-term impacts.
0: Now, knowing that you'd be hard-pressed, if even possible, to find two patients that are identical in their disease path. What has been the current standard of care? Were lupus patients mostly treated the same? Is that something that has been going on?
1: Right. So we, we do have uh, guidelines currently that give an indication as to how each patient should be approached based on um, various organ systems involved and the severity of those. I think what's important here is that to date, there are no guidelines that define disease modification in lupus. And as a result, I think many times um, healthcare providers are not exactly clear on whether or not a therapy may actually modify um, the underlying disease and the natural progress of the disease. And as a result... Many times, the focus becomes a very uh, short-term focus where you think about how you can address quickly symptoms, and many times, the reliance is on things like steroids, for example, which we know ultimately will contribute to um, long-term organ damage uh, when used over time.
0: You mentioned that most people who have lupus will develop lupus nephritis. Inflammation I understand but are these organs permanently damaged as a result of lupus?
1: They are indeed uh, many times so we we do have different instruments that are used to assess um, organ damage and um, the the damage that is assessed is damage that is considered to be irreversible mm-hmm. and damage that has been in place for a minimum of six months.
0: What are some of the other impacts uh, on a person's quality of life who's dealing with lupus, other than the, the flare ups and the organ damage that you just described?
1: I think there are so many impacts that occur in patients. Um, it's you know the quality of life, whether it's a, at a social level or. Um, in you know during their work um, and really just routine daily living I think is is adversely impacted in many patients um, it could be through as you mentioned I think pain but also um, things like fatigue um, you know would be some of the um, considerations and, and things that you would look for in patients with lupus.
0: Who's most likely to be diagnosed with lupus? Are we talking young people, old, males, females?
1: Mm-hmm. So lupus is an autoimmune condition and primarily this is a condition found in females. <sighs> and disproportionately, this disease actually impacts uh, African-Americans, uh, Hispanics, uh, Asian population even more so than the Caucasian population.
0: Now, when we're hearing about disparities in in healthcare, especially in the last couple of years due to the onset of the the pandemic, are the disparities caused by physicians not understanding, uh, patients not asking the right questions? Is it often misdiagnosed?
1: So it is often misdiagnosed, and I would say that goes across all patients. But, Neil, you bring up a great point, and it's really around... I would say, social determinants. And I, I do think that there's a lot of impact that, that occurs at that level, um, whether it's through the quality of care um, or just uh, an inherent bias that may occur. Um, I think all of that plays a role. I think there's so many factors at play with lupus. So we know there are genetic components. We know that the environment certainly uh, plays a a role as well as uh, social determinants, as you just mentioned.
0: With roughly 5 million people worldwide dealing with this disease, what would you say is the major takeaway from the uh, information published in Lupus Science and Medicine?
1: Well, I would say uh, the key takeaway is that the paper is suggesting a preliminary uh, definition of disease modification, which is based on disease activity indices, as well as organ damage outcomes, with the uh, latter being a key anchor when we think about the definition. And both healthcare providers and patients will hopefully have a clearer understanding of treatment methods that modify the underlying cause of the disease and um, what to look forward to long-term.
0: Can we get a website where we can learn more?
1: Absolutely. So um, you can go to lupus.bmj.com.
0: Angela, I appreciate you taking the time with us this morning. Thank you so much. And um, maybe we'll get an opportunity to speak again.
1: Okay. Thank you so much, Neil. Take care.
0: You as well. You've been listening to Health Professional Radio. I'm your host, Neil Howard, in conversation with Angela Carroll, U.S. Medical Affairs Scientific Director, ImmunoInflammation at GSK. Audio copies of this program are available at hpr.fm and healthprofessionalradio.com.au. You can also subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Listen in, download at SoundCloud, and be sure and subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com, Health Professional Radio.